You're listening to The Bloom Pod, and I'm Taylor Onion. Today's guest is J.P. Abercrombie. J.P. serves as the Associate Athletic Director at Rice University and their Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer. She is a former student athlete, a fellow Women Leaders Institute for Administrative Advancement graduate, and one of the most positive spirits I have ever come across. J.P. brought all the positivity and all the good vibes. Here comes episode 19. Enjoy! finally get a time I know this has been I was trying to figure out this morning I'm like has this been like three or four weeks that we have been consistently because the first time we rescheduled it for two weeks out of the original date yep and it's been like oh we got to push back how oh, we got to push back and then I'm like okay I haven't heard anything today and I my schedule is still clear like we're good this is gonna work the fourth time oh, oh I had fingers crossed and I, I think when the last time we agreed that we would make some movements rearrangements i was like okay hold so there's been a hold on my calendar from like 1:45 till whenever i don't even know and so i'm like well she'll send me a link when when we're good and if not <laughs> that hold just in case i'm not putting anything else in this time block <laughs> i got nervous today when i went to look at it because i was like oh no i i blocked this off on my calendar but i forgot to send as an invitation to JP, I'm like, man, I hope she did the same thing. We were just on the same wavelength that day. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, let's, you know, I typically like to kick this thing off. We've known each other for, I think I've known of you for longer than I've actually known you, but we're going on what, yeah. like, a, like a year and a half of official, you know, friendship sisterhood. here. Sisterhood. Sisterhood. Yes. <laughs> IAA sisterhood. I love it. I love it. Yes. 19. 19. <laughs> love it. Love it. Shout out uh, to the fans. Yep. Yep. Of course. Got to do that. Um, but let's, let's kick this thing off by having you just, just tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So JP Abercrombie, I currently oversee, I feel like I should do Jack of all trades, you know, like we right. just have a whole offline conversation, but right. assistant <laughs> athletic director for Jack of all trades, <laughs> um, other duties as a sign. <laughs> But no, in all seriousness, I get to oversee, I have the esteemed pleasure of overseeing all of our student-athlete development programs for Rice University. I also get to do a lot of alumni engagement um, and kind of ramped up over the work from home period, focusing on our diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives department-wide. So I get to be the liaison to campus for a lot of uh, student-facing student affairs services, but then also get to sit on some big committees um, from the Dean of Undergraduates level, on our corporate sponsorships level, um, and even internship councils. So that's been fun. And then on top of that, I am the sport administrator for our men's cross country and track and field programs. Love my guys. So yeah, it's never a dull moment for me. Definitely full days. And especially, I mean, we just had this this whole conversation offline about the, the jack of all trades and those other duties as a sign. So it, I don't know if it's been more true, but never a dull moment is, is yes, at its yes. peak right now. <laughs> you know, I love to add the, wow, that's crazy, into the never the dull moment rotation, because sometimes I don't have the full words. Like, I... I have a facial expression. You may not be able to see it under my mask, but I'll hit you with a wow. Mm hmm. That's crazy. And so we can <laughs> actual words. So that's what I'm rocking today, too. <laughs> I feel like that's fair for, for 2020. It's only so many, you know, like authentic or original kind of reactions you can have to 
the state the world is in. And so the just, you know, wow, that's that's crazy. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. So and before before you got to um before you got to Rice, you were mm-hmm. at Mississippi State previously. And I know at one time we had talked about how you have been have you been in every single uh time zone of the continental US? I feel like we talked about that. <laughs> so through them, yeah. Much. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I was born in Pacific. I grew up primarily in Central, lived a good chunk in uh, Eastern, and then came back to the West Coast, back to Pacific, and then decided to come back to Central. So I'm staying in Central right now. You know, rock. I, I love that I can go coast to coast with my journey. Uh, definitely adds in a lot of perspectives when we talk about the work that I get to do with our student athletes and even across campus. So, I love I love that aspect of it. Never a dull moment, but also just seeing more of what our country has to offer. Yeah, which I think I mean in specific to what we do. So often you'll have a student athlete. I mean, now you're in Texas, so you have student athletes will be like, oh, I'm from you know I'm from the West Coast, or oh, I'm from Illinois, or oh, I'm from the East Coast, or whatever it is. You're like, oh, okay, I spent some time there, and it just yes, yes, like to see those. You know, it's that extra connection for the kids. I feel like where they feel a little bit more at home. You know, especially if they are so far away from home. So that's a well, and that's that's the funny piece, too. If you would have asked five-year-old JP on the south side of Chicago if I was going to live in Texas ever, I probably would have laughed at you. <laughs> I, uh, Texas is like cowboys and tumbleweed and all the – yeah, that's not where, <laughs> where Houston is by any stretch of the imagination. But it's funny to see a lot of, like, Midwesterners that are transplants here or even student-athletes who are, like you said, from California who are like, wait, you know what this place is or you've been here? And I have a few student-athletes from Pennsylvania. So having had all of those journeys definitely adds not only to the perspectives that I bring to our leadership team and, our, and the rooms that we're in there, but that connection and the relationship with my student-athletes, coaches, and staff. What would you say? Do you do you think you have a favorite time zone? I know you said you're you're in Central right now, planning to stay there for a minute, but <laughs> so I feel like that's a loaded question. <laughs> I didn't say favorite place. I just said favorite time no, zone. <laughs> you, you did widen it up for me, so you know, appreciate that. Not pigeonholing me too much, but I think I'm partial to Central. You know, when I was in Pacific, I just, I felt behind. And that's partially because a lot of my family and friends were in Central and Eastern. Eastern, I always felt a little ahead of everybody. So <laughs> there was that. I just, Central's good. It's Central. It's standard. It's time. We're good. I love that. I've got uh, my college roommates. We are in, we are spread out across all four time zones mm-hmm. of the continental U.S. And then we got one in Germany as well. And so a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. We had to, we celebrated somebody's birthday and one of my friends sent out the message. She's like, all right, I'll do it at 9am. This will be 10am your time, 11am your time. And then it's going to be like 6pm in Germany and we'll be good. Yep. But even that perspective, right? Just like I had so many students over the past few months who were still in California, or even when I look at my international students, it's like everybody's go saying, oh, 2pm, that'll work. I'm like, well, what time is 2pm in London? Or what time is 2 p.m. in Australia? Because don't forget, the other people in this group who need to be a part of this conversation are not here right now. So, you know, just having that perspective certainly helps. Right. Which I think is something, I mean, it's a good kind of insight, I feel like, for what our student athletes deal with that are coming, you know, internationally, especially to, to compete in the States, because they're obviously dealing with that all the time with their families. And we're not, you know, I mean, we've got kids from a SAC standpoint right now who are still in their home countries and have, because we haven't kicked off practice or anything. And so it's like, 
okay, this is what you're going through on a regular basis. And we're dealing with it for the first semester ever trying to find, you know, mutual meeting times to, to get everybody in the same Zoom room, so to speak. Those Zoom rooms, man. And, and honestly, I even think about it from an academic standpoint. So if you have that synchronous and asynchronous learning, when you have a student who's six hours ahead of you and their class is at four o'clock in the afternoon, what does that mean for them? Or, you know, our, in a traditional model, pre-COVID, a lot of our programming happened six, seven, maybe even eight o'clock at night in terms of start time. Well, eh, what does that do for students who want to be engaged or should be engaged? And how do you work around different class blocks and everything now just with people being spread out across time zones? So that's a challenge that I'm, you know, my jack of all trades hat gets to figure out how to work through. And honestly, I feel like who better than me to kind of work through those things is the planner that I am. And often visual. Um, I'm looking around. I have a whole bunch of post-it notes in different colors and pens and all that fun stuff. You can't see the full breadth of it behind me, but that's a, a whiteboard wall. Usually at this point in the year, it's a bit more full, but uh, students, coaches, staff, campus partners come in. They leave their little marks on the world. Uh, that's, that's what our thing is. Like, what is the, the mark that you want to leave on the world? So we usually have them write whatever that saying is or that inspiration, motivation, and got some Bible verses, got some quotes, whatever is speaking to them that day that they want to share. And, and throughout the year, we leave it up. So start the year fresh. So it's, it's still early. There's still some people who are around who can come in and drop some knowledge on the wall, but we'll leave it up there throughout the year. And then it becomes a talking piece. It's a conversation starter between people who come in. So um, I'm glad to be a facilitator of those exchanges too. Yeah, absolutely. You got to be, I'm thinking about your post-it notes right now and you got to be organized <laughs> to be great as you, as you say on a, on a consistent basis. I feel like that's the, the JP mantra is go be great. Be great JP. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, absolutely. Be great all day. <laughs> it's a good way to be. A good way to be is to be great all day. Look, there are a lot of things that happen in this world. If the last six months haven't taught us anything, it's that things will sometimes be out of your control. And no matter what that is, you can control how you show up. So no matter what chaos is going on around me, my goal is to just be great regardless. And just because I was great yesterday doesn't mean I'll be great today. It's a habit that I have to remind myself to actively do and participate in every day. So sometimes people get sick of hearing me say it, but I'm gonna be great. I'm gonna be great regardless. Right. So it's something that I try to affirm as much as possible. Greatness is the, is the journey, not the destination. So we gotta go with that. <laughs> well, you've been in, you've been in, you know, as we just touched on all these different time zones, all these different institutions, obviously you were, a, you were a former student athlete. So you've got, you know, you built up, you built up some, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for here. You, you built up your time in college athletics. And so I'm, I'm wondering, do you have a favorite memory associated? Like if you're thinking, man, this is my all time favorite memory, either from being a student athlete, from working in college athletics, what comes to mind? Ooh, that's hard. That is so hard because I feel like I've had so many different like identity transitions and formations in this too. So, um, man, wow, did not anticipate that question. So thank you. <laughs> Kudos for that question. I don't even think I get that asked of me often. You know, there's one that's probably the most salient to, to like who I am as a person today. Um, and I think back, if I think back on my time at Temple as a student athlete, there's this tagline that people often attributed to just like the way I showed up in spaces. 
um, Temple's model is perseverance conquers. And so very much like the underdog, that rough like Philly Temple tough mentality. Uh, so there was a, a piece that I got to talk about my life, my story. And in it, I said, tell me I can't, I'll show you I can. And I had, and that comes from a time when um, one of my high school coaches told me in a very loving way, like it's going to come out very wrong on this without additional context, but in a loving way, he told me that I wasn't going to be able to compete D1. And I knew what I wanted from my collegiate student athlete experience in terms of the college part of it, um, what I expected from uh, the major offerings, the resources that could be provided, just the opportunities for professional and, and even personal growth and advancement. And I just felt like I was going to get those from institutions that often are more so D1 than any other division. Uh, and for me, I needed to still hold on to my athletic identity a little bit. But I remember being at practice one day and it wasn't necessarily the best practice. I can be honest about that um, with myself. And he was, he was trying to motivate me and encourage me and tell me like, if, you, if this is what you're going to bring to the table, that's not going to be up to snuff and, and can't go D1 with that. And I was like, okay, bet. Like I harbored that and that became the chip on my shoulder. And I was like, okay, tell me I can't and I'll show you I can. And that mantra became so prevalent throughout my experience where there were times that I got knocked down, times that there were rooms that I, I shouldn't have been in or you know, I, I even got injured in college and had to switch event groups and going from a distance runner to being a thrower, not common <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but having to figure it out and kind of figure it out on the fly. And then also not just figure out how to do it, but like have success at it. Um, you know, that was a unique challenge where I, I kind of took on that motivation of people doubting me and said, okay, if you don't think I can, I know I can, and I'll show you I can. So I think that started with me at an early age and, and I love that coach dearly and we still keep in touch today and, and even members of his family have come to visit me in Houston. So, you know, I, I, I take moments like that that are kind of uh, revealing in terms of that diamond in the rough, which also speaks a little bit to the institutional history of Temple. And I just felt like that was home for me and, and it aligned and allowed me to blossom into the person that I am today. So tell me I can't and I'll show you I can. I'm going to, I'm going to correct you and say, allowed you to bloom into the okay. person. <laughs> you, you see what I did there? <laughs> I got you. I got you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> we, uh, we were talking um, in one of my classes this week about this kind of idea of, um, how was it phrased? So I think it was creativity, grit, and then wicked problems. And so how do those three things kind of form together? And I think the story that you just told is perfectly that, right? So like the wicked problem, so to speak, being that, you know, people are consistently either doubting you or telling you, hey, you don't have what it takes to make it to this level, which is where the grit comes in. And then you have to be creative to, okay, if I don't have, you know, if I don't have this talent or if I don't have this skill, but I know this is the, this is the point where I'm trying to get, I have to be creative and figuring out how I'm going to get there because it's not going to be you know, the same as it might be for somebody else. So I think that's, I just, you know, I love it when things come together from, <laughs> from my school life and my, you know, the podcast. That experiential learning, it's transferable. Yeah, it's relational. We got you. That's right. That's right. It all just mixes together. It's wonderful. 
<laughs> it's wonderful. Well, how much do you feel like, obviously we know that, you know, even just having the, the student athlete background is super helpful from that standpoint. You know, if I'm saying, hey, I'm from Illinois, I find another student athlete, you know, at the institutions I've worked at that are from Illinois, there's a connection. Oh, you're on the volleyball team? Oh, I played volleyball in college. So how much do you feel like the specific experience that you had as a student athlete has kind of, uh, you know, maybe set itself as a foundation or how do you feel like that's, that gives you an advantage in the work that you do today? Well, one, I mean, leaps and bounds, my entire experience is something that I, I often lean on when it comes to making decisions about our student athlete experience, um, specifically the programming. I know, like, what did I not have? That's often a place where I start and not just what did I not have, but what did I wish I had and how can I bring that to the forefront? So often leaning on the experiences I had or even the ones that I didn't have in order to pay it forward in a meaningful way for the current student athletes. You know, I, I love when I get to meet with our recruits that uh, I see it as my responsibility to pay it forward. I think my collegiate student athlete experience gave me so many opportunities to develop personally, to develop professionally, to see parts of the country that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. And so um, I try to figure out how I can put all of that experience together to inform the decisions that I make so that this next group of student athletes that comes up after me has a better experience than I had. I had a pretty darn good experience, not gonna lie. Uh, and that's, it's funny to, to think about it too, because people would be like, oh, so how many championships did you win? Or, or like, where did you go? And it, it wasn't just about those things. I think, if anything, my student athlete experience left me feeling prepared for life. And I say that as a person who, you know, went hundreds of miles away from home. And there might have been times where I had to call mom freaking out about the car battery dying because I left the lights on overnight or just, you know, little things like random life things. And overall, I just felt prepared. I felt like I was put in an environment where I was asked difficult questions or where I was challenged to think critically about the world around me. And uh, so I, I strive to do that, strive to provide those, those opportunities for our students uh, today. But I think if anything else, my student athlete experience helps me specifically with that overall connection to, to my students and my coaches. But one of the things that I love uh, that I got to do when I started in grad school was actually become a certified official for track. If anybody knows anything about track, the average age of officials are definitely up there. Uh, so I started being an official uh, out in the Pacific Association in California, and it was funny because at the time I was one of the youngest, if not the youngest in our association and possibly in the nation, but that perspective of having been a student athlete made me a better official because more often than not, the officials, they were just doing it in retirement. They needed something to stay active. But the way that I got to bridge the gap in understanding about the sport itself while also hearing the stories of the officials was just a really cool experience for me. And I think if anything, those two perspectives helped me be a better sport administrator to the coaches and the student athletes that I work with now. I think the generational gap to the point you just made, the generational gap in the, from a communication standpoint, especially is one of the most difficult things uh, in any workplace, not even just in college athletics, but we have, you know, consistently, we have new generations coming into the workplace. We have the generations who've been there for 20, 25, 30, however many years. And so being able to find that, that common ground and being able to find even just the, the, you know, commonalities in communication styles, you know, and it's, it's a, 
that's a super powerful thing. So I think that's really interesting that you, that you bring that up, being able to bridge the gap between the, the officials and, and the athletes. That's awesome. Well, even to that point, you know, one of the things that I, I kind of live by another JPism, if you will, uh, to add into the collection is that everyone has something to teach you, but you have to be willing to learn. And so as the apprentice official, I'm around these masters officials who had worked like IAAF meets and numerous Olympics and had seen national records, world records broken. And I'm just like, tell me more. Like I was, I was a sponge in a new way for my sport. But I also know that if my sport doesn't have officials, where does it go? <laughs> it's a little complicated. So if there was a way for me to keep my sport alive, again, that whole pay it forward ideal. Yeah, I'd love to be able to do that in the role that I have, my primary role. But without officials, my sport, it's going to be a little questionable. So how can I, I occupy to, to spread that word? And so that's something that uh, I think it's also that representation in another way. When our, when our current students or even students who just came in, the competitors, op opponents came in to see me, and they're like, wait, you're not 50 plus. You're not 60 plus. You're not walking with a cane. And you're, you know, <laughs> any other, oh my gosh, moments. Uh, they saw that as something that they could do to the point where, you know, I, I joke with my AD all the time. He still runs. Like we were both distance runners, mid-distance mid runners. He still runs. I'm in retirement. I am in retirement, sir. So my way of being active and I mean, I do some other things, but my way of being active in my sport is through officiating. And that also helps keep it alive, make sure that it can provide opportunities for that next generation. And, and if that also means that someone who hasn't retired yet is considering becoming an official to help that, that thing continue, then for me, that's all worth it as well. I want to start telling people that when they ask if I want to go for a run, like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm retired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will give you a good speed walk and, you know, well, you can't take the track completely out of me. So there are some ways to get me to run, but for the most part, I'm in retirement. Right. For, for me, it's never a distance. Like you can get me to do some, some interval stuff maybe, mm -hmm. but we're talking like, I'll, I'll give myself the benefit of the doubt here and I'll say a five minute maximum interval, but we're not going, we're not going further than that. You know, I was feeling a little froggy last weekend and decided to go out for a couple fart licks. Don't know why don't. And people are like, what's a fart lick? If you don't know, don't ask, just keep doing what you're doing. Just know that. And I shouldn't have brought that up from my old cross country days, but that was my inner distance runner thinking she was going to make an appearance again. It's fine. My quads felt it. You know, we're good. I'm still in retirement. That's all I know. <laughs> I for sure, I for sure was gonna ask what a fart lick was, but I'm a I'll leave it alone. <laughs> we'll go with the intervals. Just just keep that in mind. Just all right. yep, we'll work through that. <laughs> all right, all right, that's fair enough. So so switching gears a little bit here, when I was looking at uh looking at your bio, I see that you are a part of the WHO, which is not the World Health Organization. Please don't put that on me, no. <laughs> but, it, but it is the the workplace happiness objective. So tell me a little bit about that that group or that initiative and, and what it's you know what the group is charged with. Yeah, so overall it's a group of um, individuals from our department, coaches, staff members that really work on staff morale and well-being initiatives. Um, you know, the owls playing off that a little bit, the who just there we yeah. go. Uh, I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that first. <laughs> so, but I love it because it's people that maybe sometimes wouldn't have interacted on a normal basis. 
um, or a regular basis within the scope of their jobs, being able to come together and work to um, really figure out the needs and overall fostering the community, community feel that we have across our department. So I think as a part of that, you know, one of the things that I love to be a part of is, is team scheme. I love a good scheme. So there, there's the opportunity to just bounce ideas off the wall with people, again, that you may not have interacted with on a normal basis or a typical basis, um, get different perspectives, just be able to, to bridge the gap. So like all the things that I get to do from a student athlete development standpoint, but also working on that across the staff. So we will oversee things like our onboarding process, really welcoming in uh, new staff members, which has shifted a little bit in this virtual space, but really just trying to focus on uh, how we can onboard somebody, set them up for success, uh, overseeing some of our uh, all staff meetings, making sure that those are engaging, representative, maybe even the fellowship aspects of that. But then also thinking of ways to just boost general staff around while being at any time of the year. So um, never a dull moment, but certainly something that I think helps contribute to that uh, the community-based feel that we have as a department. I think I'm gonna have to add uh, never a dull moment as the second, that's the, the secondary. Uh, right. never a dull moment. That's right, that's the secondary mantra for JP. <laughs> Oh man. Well, typically the, the way that I kind of wrap these up is, is I'll have you share some advice and I will leave it up to you. Uh, whatever, whatever kind of advice you'd like to share. Ooh, see, you put me on the spot. You know, I got to figure out what, no, (laughs) (laughs) you know, honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it with the, the JP isms. And so I'll say that, you know, for some people, um, you just need that reminder to, to be great. And that's really specific to you relative to what you need and, and really being great with where you are. Um, something that has you know, been a part of that process for me uh, the past few weeks is that Thursdays got a little hard. If, you know, you had motivation Monday and then there's Taco Tuesday. I know the two things aren't related, but I love food. Food and gear are the quickest ways to my heart. Uh, Wednesday has that whole thing of being like hump day and then Friday's the weekend. People are checking out. And so I found myself as we started getting into the school year, having this Thursday slump, if you will. And uh, in the mornings, I just had this whole like thinking of you Thursday thing where I needed to let other people know that I was thinking of them. And so it's a part of that. It's, it was a message that said, thinking of you, hope you have a great day. The weekend's almost here, but like trying to spread some positivity and joy and motivation because I needed that. And that was going to be my way of being great and showing up uh, in, in the way that that was most authentically JP. So I I would encourage people to really spend the time with yourselves and figure out what it is that Taylor can say is is uniquely you, (laughs) that others can say is is uniquely you and and figure out how to live that uh, unapologetically as authentically as possible. And no matter what other chaos comes your way, especially in 2020, um, figure out how to be great regardless and just control what you can control. I love it. Be great. Never a dull moment. Spread positivity. Wow, that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. There it is. There it is. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, JP, thank you so much. Again, this was, this has been a long time coming. This has been a few weeks trying to get this, this on the book. So I'm super excited that it finally worked out. And thank you for taking the time out of your jack of all trades schedule to join me on the Bloom Pot. 
you're right there with me. You know, we were working on this together. Anything I can ever do for you or any of the listeners, I hope anyone feels you know comfortable reaching out to me. But from our IA sisterhood, because you know West is the best. 19. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Stay tuned for the recap of this episode with my sidekick, Melissa Lutz. I don't know. I wanted to sing SpongeBob and then I wanted to do the Rocky theme song. I wanted to do it all. You can do it all, Taylor. Let's go in order. I think we've already done the SpongeBob song though. Right. I was just going to do, I'm ready. Ah, well, there or, you just was, did it. Yeah. Or was I going to say, are you ready, kids? Oh, yeah. We've done that before. Yeah, we did that before. I think we've also For done. week. Yeah, it might have been. <laughs> I think we've also done the Rocky theme song. I believe you. I wish there was, um, well, you can see my coffee cup, but I wish there was like a Ron Swanson song. Not sure that there is. Duke Silver. Ah. Duke Silver song. Duke Silver does have great songs. Or I could sing um, Oski Wow Wow because Nate Offerman who plays Ron Swanson, is a fellow Illini. What'd you call him? Nate. Nick. Mm, there we go. <laughs> Dang it. Big fan over there, huh? <laughs> I actually am. I don't know why I just did that. It's early yet. Yeah. Early morning uh, podcast session. Which is on par for the recent recaps that we've been doing. Yeah, at weird hours of the day from weird places. Yes, from from weird places at weird times. And as I just mentioned offline, I had forgotten that we scheduled this until I got the calendar notification about 10 minutes ago. And I thought we were doing it last week. I came prepared for the last recap with uh, my notes on JP. So I'm excited to finally be getting to JP. As am I. As am I. And with that, my friend. Shall we dig in? Yeah, let's get right to it. Are you ready? Aye, aye, Captain. All right, I think that's enough SpongeBob from us. Yeah, yeah, seems like a good enough build-up to, yeah. jump, to jump in. Um, the very first note that I have on J.P. Abercrombie is in all caps, and it says, West... Because, actually, it is that, and then it says sisterhood. Because we first met in Denver at the Institute for Administrative Advancement through Women Leaders in College Sports. If your memory serves, you will remember that I came out for a conference for several days, and then I stayed with you. Yes, I do remember. Is that when you stayed when my parents were also in town? It sure was, and we went to... Is that when you met Weird Al on the plane ride home? <gasps> I think it was. <laughs> I think I did meet Weird Al Yankovic on that on that plane ride back home. I remember this because uh, prior to no, while you were on a flight, my mother and I got in a very um, what am I trying to say? Innocent 
but very real argument about whether or not celebrities fly on commercial planes. And she's adamant that no one has ever seen a celebrity on a plane. And so I was polling my social media followers and I had people reaching out like, oh, I saw so-and-so. And she's like, yeah, that's like not an A-level celebrity. Like I'm, not, I'm talking about like Jennifer Aniston. I'm like, you know, I just, they all fly private jets. And literally minutes later you landed and we're like, hey, guess who I just met on the plane with no recollection or no knowledge that we had been having this right. very public debate on social media. Right. It was great timing. Thank you again for um, pulling in that W for me. You are very welcome. And thank you, Weird Al, for flying, what was I even on? Southwest or United or something like that. I don't know. It was fantastic. If I can, if I can just steal a moment of our time and, and recount that experience, I was sitting on the plane next to a total stranger and I saw this man who had the face of Weird Al. Now, mind you, I was like at least 10 to 15 rows back from where his seat was, but I watched him walk down the aisle of the plane. I watched him, uh, you know, his, his curls bouncing. I watched him in a hat that I have seen Weird Al wear before. And I turned to the person next to me because she was telling me something, I don't remember what, but I was like, I'm so sorry to cut you off, but I am pretty sure that that is Weird Al Yankovic. And she was like, oh, I'm like, do, do you not know who that is? <laughs> do you not familiar with his uh, musical? <laughs> Right. With his musical offerings. Uh, and she was not. I think she barely knew who he was. I looked him up so that I could show her. And she's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. And by that time, he had sat down. So I had no one to corroborate this mm. feeling. And then we landed. And I thought, gosh, darn it. He's so far ahead of me. I'm never going to catch up to him. Turns out we got on the tram at the same time. And then I got off the tram ahead of him so I walked very slowly and I tried to be as normal as possible until <laughs> as people do while they saunter through the airport <laughs> <laughs> until I just couldn't take it anymore and I thought Taylor this is a once in a lifetime opportunity and I turned right around and I said excuse me sir are you weird Al <laughs> and he said very he said yes I am very calmly and then I, I went on this rambling story about how my brother and I love the song Amish Paradise and that when I had seen him come onto the plane, I had texted my brother and he said, he texted me back, that's just perfect for an Amish like me, which is, of course, part of the song. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Long story short, I met Weird Al, we took a selfie together, he introduced me to the man he was traveling with whose name I think might have been John. He's like, normal, this is normal John. Yeah, this is, this is my colleague, John. <laughs> and, uh, you know. Normal John. <laughs> I am Weird Al, and this is normal John. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that's, uh, that's, that's my story about my celebrity encounter with Weird Al. Thank you, Vic. It really could. The timing could not have been more impeccable. Yes. For my own benefit that my mother and I had been disagreeing, not seeing eye to eye on whether or not celebrities fly on commercial planes while you were flying on a commercial plane with a celebrity. Mm -hmm. I'm very happy that I was able to assist you in that argument. It was perfect. Um, the way that we got onto this very long rant is because I was Denver talking- Denver and JP! Yes, I was talking about my IAA sisterhood and 
I had to start off by saying West because JP came up with that. So half of the room would say that and then everybody would respond and say 19 because it was in 2019. Why West? Oh, because there are two. That's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was going to be an explanation for that. <laughs> <laughs> we just, you know, in the world of college athletics, we just like to shout directions. <laughs> I too am a fan of cardinal directions. <laughs> no, no. Um, because there were two, every year there are two IAA locations. There's an East version and there's a West version. Ah. And we were at the West version, which is held in Denver. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a great place for this story and friendship to begin. It was a long and winding road through Weird, Weird Al Yankovic, but we eventually got to the point of that story. We to we the did. important part, the key part of the story, and that is JP. JP Abercrombie, which I will say is... I don't have an accent to say that in this time, just because I think it's a fantastic name on its own and needs no extra quirk from me. <laughs> Are you suggesting that all the other ones did? No, don't put words in my mouth, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> I just think like J.P. Abercrombie, like that is just a cool name. It is a cool name. It is a very For cool, a cool name. cool gal, seemingly. Oh yeah, JP is fantastic. And I'm What was your said, first impression of her? Of JP? Mm -hmm. I have, which I think I said during the interview, I had known of JP um, for longer than I have actually known her. Um, and my first impression was that JP, her her like mantra is JP be great. Like we talked about that in the interview, and that's that's the best way that I can describe it. Like JP is that perfect combination of good energy and not not in like an aloof way not in she's not overly positive like <laughs> you're pointing to yourself uh i know who you're talking about when you say aloof. <laughs> <laughs> she's not like a head in the clouds positive kind of person but it's like a all right this is the situation and uh let's mix in a little bit of humor and let's be positive and we're gonna get through it so it just is like Every time I, you know, every time I talk to JP, every time I interact with JP, every time I'm around JP, I just leave that, that engagement or that interaction just like feeling better. It's just like a surge of like positive energy. Like, ah, what a great person. Yeah, I, that really came through in her interview. I think all my notes are just like all of her upbeat, positive catchphrases. I've just got a list of um, mottos to live by now. <laughs> right, right. That's, yeah. Uh, you know, now that I'm looking at my own, that's, that's pretty much what I've got as well. Is the, you know, greatness is the destination. It's not the journey. Um, I also have something. Oh, well, she said, tell me I can't and I'll show you that I can. I have that written down too. I love it. Yep. And a real go-getter. A real go -getter. People in her life are like, I was wrong. Shoot. <laughs> right and they're just like man she she is doing it she's being great um another one that i have written down and this one i put in quotations and ahead of the the quote i put in all caps a word and it says everyone has something to teach you but you have to be willing to learn 
I also have that down. Ooh, maybe you should read read what you wrote and and you know just for the people because that is a good one. That is a good one, and I find myself like weirdly. I don't know if this sunk in subconsciously, um, but I feel like in the past week I've walked away from situations and been like, did I ask enough questions? Did I talk about me? What could I have learned about them that I didn't take that opportunity to learn? I like that has been constantly on my brain for the past week. <gasps> JP, you've infiltrated my brain. <laughs> That's what she's supposed to do. That's that is the purpose of of this. She's helping you to bloom. You see, ah, you see what wow, I did? She's a sidekick. <laughs> I also have to throw a shout out to her because she. I think what she said in the interview was. Um, whatever situation helped helped her blossom into the person that she was and she just she teed it up perfectly for me to say did did you mean bloom into the person <laughs> that you are uh, it was a nice love mm-hmm. she really teed it up for me here's um, a question i have for jp um do you think she has a gratitude journal because i feel like she's someone who like sits down daily and reflects I feel like you are right. Now, whether... Phrases and mottos for each day, little mantras. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I will say that if you're not following JP on uh, specifically Twitter, highly recommend because she always has... (laughs) You're doing it now. I'm doing it right now. What's her handle? (laughs) Um, What is her handle? You know, and I also want to point out, while you are doing this on Twitter... um, you, I've been waiting on the edge of my seat for you to re-up your Twitter account. You mentioned several episodes back that you were gonna, you were gonna do a tweet and you just, you haven't. Oh, okay. Uh, this is a lot of pressure right now, but I will <laughs> think of one today because I think in 2019 I tweeted once. And so there's a lot of pressure for a 2020 tweet. A lot of things have happened this year it can't just be all willy-nilly on the fly while we're recording. I feel like that's nuts. That's fair. Um, what's no, I don't think you should do it while we're recording. Anyway, JP's, JP's handle is uh, just underscore JP underscore. Okay. So for all you listeners, if you're not already, get out there and follow JP. Give her a follow. Oh. Yes. Wait, is Aber Crumby? Yeah. You thought it was like Abercrombie and Fitch? That's cooler. (laughs) She just keeps getting better. She does. Hello. Nailed it. Now, another note that I have in here says cross country to thrower, question mark, which is where the tell me I can't and I'll show you I can. That's part of where that came from. But you do not hear about many people making that transition. Yeah long distance running to like a strength right roll roll right i also liked that she said uh she's in retirement so that if if people are suggesting that she go for a run which i'm going to start using that now if anybody says hey you want to go for a run today oh i'm so sorry i'm retired (laughs) i retired after ghost in the graveyard many moons ago that was the end of my running career what happened to you Oh, I was just trying to find something that happened a long time ago to illustrate that I don't run. 
<laughs> I thought you had like a really terrible experience with ghosts in the graveyard and like perhaps you ran into something. Oh, I'm certain I did. I fall and trip a lot, but um, there's nothing, you know, really specific that comes to mind. Just trying to paint a picture of like, I, I ran back in the day to fit in with the neighborhood kids, <laughs> not lose at games. And then when um, those things stopped happening, I never really elected to run. You know, I read something the other day that said, it might have been a meme or something silly, but it was like, the last time, like you didn't know that the last time you went outside to play was the last time that you went outside to play. I still go outside to play. Well, but the last time you played Ghost in the Graveyard. Oh. You know what I mean? Like you didn't know that that was the last time you did it. That's so true of everything in life, yes? Yes. It just is weird though, you know? Like, you know, when March came around and we were all going to work and we're like, this is the last time we're going into the office. True, for the foreseeable future. That's yeah. very true. What do I have about that statement? I'm gonna veer this for a second. Foreseeable versus unforeseeable. I get really confused because I, I always say unforeseeable future because I cannot see the future. Well, that is an interesting point. I, I was saying like we are, we're not returning to the office for the foreseeable future. But can you see the future? I cannot see the I future. understand that I'm wrong when I say unforeseeable future. I just want to be clear about that. But the statement in itself just perplexes me every time. Okay, I've looked it up and it says, first of all, that it's an adjective. Second of all, that the force, that force. Origin. <laughs> what? What's its origin? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't, I didn't go that far. Um, <laughs> I was going to read what was at the bottom, but it just says definitions from Oxford languages. So, uh, <laughs> um, it foreseeable means able to be foreseen or predicted. And the oh. example they provide is the situation is unlikely to change in the foreseeable future, which is why I say we won't return to the office for the foreseeable future. Now, unforeseeable as you might imagine also an adjective and it means not able to be anticipated or predicted hmm. so unforced the example they provide whew, this is timely uh unforeseeable political consequences could arise ah okay hey thanks i feel like i learned so much here with all the googling that we do I'm now wondering who um, who is in charge of putting the examples on, you know what I mean? Like somebody writes the definitions, presumably that comes from the actual dictionary, but who is in charge of thinking, yes, this is the example that we will put with unforeseeable? I don't know. I don't know either. Do you think it's, the same people who come up with the names for paint. I've been, since you started talking about whose job this was, I'm like, and also who names paint? I've been back where I had the whole time. I just was talking about this with someone yesterday and they're like, I, I didn't, I don't think about those as like something that someone does. And they just appear, the color happens and then 
uh, printed on the bottom is like rubber yellow duck that's been sitting in a bathtub for too long. It's so specific. I this just, was our. I just naming paint. <laughs> <laughs> this was our. I have to give a shout out. So this was our assistant, our new assistant, Sophia. And she's like, I, I don't know. I didn't really think of that as something that people do. And I said, I think about all the things and not necessarily on purpose. Like those kinds of things just bump into my head because it is paint. It's paint chips, paint colors, and like nail polish. Who names those? I got, I got two right here. One is called On My Gray and one is called Set Sail. Oh, is one of those an OPI? Because that's Kimberly Young. As a matter of fact, no. They are both Sally Hansen. Thank you for not flinching at the fact that I just made up a person to give you an answer. And about. Sally Hansen, if you're listening, <laughs> we haven't done a call for sponsors in a while. And also, you're welcome. I, I believe what you say. So you could have said any name just now, and I wouldn't have questioned it. Well, Kimberly Young, she's brilliant. She is a nail polish naming wizard. OPI is very lucky to have her. A naming connoisseur, one might say. Mm -hmm. A name savant. Savant, yes. What a great Anyways. word. <laughs> so um, we're looking for nail polish sponsors and we are looking to get back on track to JP. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Of course. Um, the last note that I had in here, uh, which comes after a smattering of um, positive quotes and just you know really excellent uh tidbits from jp the last thing that i had actually last two things one of them is um she mentioned generational differences you know in the um track and field officiating realm and that typically the the track and field officials are older and so when the athletes then come in and see somebody who's closer to their age and i we've talked about generational differences again which is a nice carry-on from uh, from Jonathan Jones and his mention of, you know, our discussion on millennials and Gen Z. Now, the last note that I have simply says, what is a fartlek? I also have that note. Yeah. It says, I want to know what a fartlek is. Yes. And I took the liberty of looking it up. Of course you did. And I will share with you that from... Uh, let's see, the site here is verywellfit.com. Uh, and it says, this appears to be under the tab running for beginners. Uh, fartlek is a Swedish term. I should know that. I took, I took three semesters of Swedish in college. Um, fartlek is a Swedish term that means speed play. And it is a form of interval or speed training that can be effective in improving your running speed and endurance. Fart, fartlek running involves varying your pace throughout your run, alternating between fast segments and slow jogs. Huh. Interesting. Doesn't it just sound like interval training to you? Yeah, I feel like it's just a way funner way, funner? <laughs> More funner to say uh, fartlek than like, uh, I had to walk for a bit. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. Which is how I would perform a fartlek. It's like, I'm going to attempt to get from A to B, but there are intervals in which I will need to pause and severely slow down. True. Now, here's some examples of... Now, this is a short 
short countdown fartlek workout. Um, you warm up 10 to 15 minutes. And then it says four minutes hard, two minutes easy, three minutes hard, two minutes easy, two minutes hard, and so on and so forth. And then you cool down for five to 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, in reading this, I feel I have done a fart lick before and I didn't even know it. Wow, well, look at you, you're, you're a natural Swede. <laughs> I wish that I could recall more of my um, Swedish knowledge, but truth be told, I think I can still say my name. I can say I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Not like, you know, my name is, you know what I mean? Oh, I was like, isn't it still just Taylor? <laughs> <laughs> it is. Taylor in English is also Taylor in Swedish. <laughs> I don't know that for sure. I shouldn't tell. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> But your name is still your name, no matter what language. So you're like, my name is Taylor in German. It's still Taylor. Yar Taylor. Yar hungry, yar thirsty, hermordun. I am. I am Taylor. I am hungry. I am thirsty. And how are you? <laughs> so all you've illustrated in that demonstration is that you can say I am. I would like <laughs> And and I said thirsty and hungry. I'm gonna have to in English. No, torstig hungry. Oh, I thought okay. Color me wrong. I don't think people <laughs> say that. You can borrow it if you want, but I stand corrected. I thought you were just saying thirsty and hungry in a Swedish <laughs> accent. So that's my bad. That is one of the reasons why I enjoyed Swedish is because the translations were relatively simple. Now, I also said her more do, which means how are you? Oh. At, ask me if I remember a response to that. The answer is no. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yet uh, bra, which means really good. Super good. How do you say no? Nay. Nay. Mm -hmm. I say nay. <laughs> um, and there's one more thing that I wanted to share. And it is. Now, this is one of the key things that I remember from Swedish class, and it's how to say, holy smokes. Ooh. Milda makter. Milda makter. <laughs> and that does it for Swedish, for Taylor Onion. Fragment of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Swedish for dummies. Yep. So, and that's... It was, I wouldn't even go so far as to say Swedish for dummies because I really just gave you, it would be like counting. I don't even know if I can do that anymore. I'm really going to have to brush up here. All right. Next episode, you can show us your counting skills. Now, speaking of, this is, you've teed me up well here because the next episode is a bonus episode. So stay tuned to find out what that will be next week. I'm pretty uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited as well. Um, and following that, we will be taking a hiatus before we return for season two. Stay tuned. <laughs> That's right. Um, wait, but are we done talking about JP? Because I got more notes. Oh yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, great. I just um, wanted to also, wait, what does it say? Oh, I love her thinking of you thing that she does like reaching out to other people 
to check in and see how they're doing. Let them know that you're thinking of them. And it's just like a really good way to spread joy and positivity. And I think that's so wonderful. It is a great way to spread joy and positivity. And after our interview, I received one of those Thinking of You Thursdays. I love that. And I, I did. Like it's very common, and I'm thinking of myself, to be like reactionary in your, um, like, I'm thinking of you, or like, you want to spread joy and positivity when you sense that someone is lacking or down or, mm-hmm. you know, in need of a little pick-me-up. But how nice is it to just do that regularly and reach out and check in on people? That's something I'm not very good at. I disagree. JP. You do? Yeah, I disagree with you. I think you're good at that. Oh, well, thanks. That's kind. I wasn't fishing for a compliment, but I'll reel that one right in. Weren't you? (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I think be good at that though she's been a guest on the show and i sing her praise all the time but lauren parch ah she is monday and now i'm realizing i don't know if i responded just saying happy monday i hope you have a great day she just sends little things like that all the time how's your day going Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) there are wonderful people in the world and we are very fortunate to have had so many of them on the Bloom Pod. Yes. You're doing a great job selecting guests. Why, thank you. I, uh, you're doing a great job of, of helping me recap. Oh, shucks. <laughs> Isn't this just a beautiful little gratitude fest? <laughs> it's, you know what? It's, the, it's a good time for, for gratitude and focusing it's, on. It's always a good time for gratitude. That's right. Milda Mokter, you are right. Holy smokes. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, my friend, have you any other notes? Yeah, but like, they're, you know, <laughs> they're, all, they're all quotes that you've already heard her say. You know, like, the, right. what impact do you want to leave on the world? Love that she asks that question. Yeah, that was a good one. That, that I feel like, is a semi-loaded question because it's hard to man, like, what impact do I want to leave on the world? And then you want me to write this down? What impact do you think JP's going to leave on the world is a better question. Positive vibes. I think um, there is a book, and the title of it is evading me, but it is about the All Blacks um, rugby team. Oh, Legacy, that's what it's called. And and it illustrates this idea of, I believe it's Waka Papa, um, which, which is like leaving someplace better than you found it. And I think JP is a perfect illustration of that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think she's going to leave this world a much happier, encouraged, empowered, energized place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I concur. A legacy to leave. A wonderful legacy to leave, yes. Great. Yes, yes. All right, well, I guess that's, I have other things, but, you know. That's, that's a good note to go out on. Yeah, gratitude, positivity, just JP, be great. Go be great. Go and be great. And that's the way the onion peels. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week for our special bonus episode, and we are so excited for that. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>